I'm Jay Edidin. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk Talk. Where we talk hawks. Now, normally this is Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, a weekly podcast about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera, impeccably produced, um, edited, prepared for, etc. But one week out of every four, we um, just sort of are trash. Pretty much. We talk about some things that usually have nothing to do with X-Men, nobody edits the show, we just sort of post it, and for some reason, some of you still listen to it. So thank you for that. We we do appreciate that. Uh, if this is the first episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men that you're listening to, you may want to pick a different one for something a little more representative of the show itself. Or just blaze through. More power to you. But yeah, this 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 isn't really what you're going to be getting most of the time. Uh, yeah, and actually today I think we're, I'm not going to say more off-topic than usual, because the whole point of Hawk Talk is that we're off-topic, but more esoteric, general, well, vague? We've been, we've we've covered mostly fairly frivolous topics before. We've, you know, did, done video games, we've done tabletop games. Have we done tabletop games? Maybe we haven't done tabletop games, but we've done video games, we've done books, we've done movies, um, we've, we've done Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we've done Pirates, and today we thought it might be good to give some of that a break. Oh, we did vegetables. Um, but to give some of that a break and talk about, you know, bigger stuff. Yeah, you know, literally bigger stuff. Like Large dinosaurs. Things. Yeah. Um, now, I'm just going to get this out of the way at the beginning. You would think that we would just make a bunch of penis jokes. So I'm just going to say, penis jokes go here, and you can use your imagination, and then we can just move on to things that are not that. I mean, don't get me wrong, nothing against penis jokes, but that's not specifically the point of this episode. Oh, wow, that didn't even occur to me. Oh, I, I guess that's just where my brain goes. I am 12. Wow, man. <laughs> Judging you. You know, legit. Uh, I was just super excited about th- that we get to talk about di- dinosaurs and giant robots and, like, bears and things. Yes, and so many other things. I have no idea where this conversation is going to go. Listeners, this is, like, the closest thing you'll see to Jay and I doing improv. We have no improv training. Uh, so we're just going to see how it goes. This is, you know, an, an impromptu conversation about the bigger things in life. So so as soon as we came up with this topic, the first place both of us went was dinosaurs. So I feel like that's maybe where we should begin today. And I want to qualify this with the fact that not all dinosaurs are actually large. So we're just going to be talking about the big ones. We respect Comsignathus's Velociraptors, all of those guys too, but they're just not the center of today's discussion. Indeed. Uh, and I guess, yeah, where my brain goes with dinosaurs is Pteranodon Mansauron, but he's just sort of, like, person-sized, so I, I don't think he, uh, he counts. So, big dinosaurs. Jay, you know a hell of a lot more about dinosaurs than I do. My favorite dinosaur is the Parasaurolophus. Tell me and about And it is that. my favorite because it always looks really confused, even as a skeleton. I mean, if I was just a skeleton, I would probably be confused. The the classic the the go to for for dinosaurs is of course the Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, which are great. That stubby little arms. Um, shout out by the way also to Sue the the awesome Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton at the Chicago Field Museum and whoever runs Sue's Twitter account who is very very good at their job. It's not just actually Sue the dinosaur skeleton with a Twitter account. It may be. I'm I'm not going to 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 completely rule that out. But whoever's doing it is good at it. Okay, well, congratulations, Dinosaur Skeleton Sue, and or someone pretending to be Dinosaur Skeleton Sue. What about you, Miles? Do you have a favorite dinosaur? 
Uh, you know, I I go back and forth when I was little, because I feel like all little kids have to have favorite dinosaurs. It's like, it's a rule that the, the first thing you, uh, you come up with a favorite of after, like, your favorite color. Uh, mine was Triceratops back in the day, I think because I had a t-shirt with a Triceratops. And uh, I did appreciate, as someone who was learning numbers, being very, very small, that uh, the number, albeit in a, with a different linguistic root, and the actual number of horns were the same. Like, that just seemed like a really wonderful uh, kind of consistent branding for the Triceratops. Later on, though, I've really come around to the Ankylosaurus. I just appreciate... That, uh, so it's kind of like, uh, I know we don't talk about X-Men, but it's like Cruel and X-Force, you know, the external, who has, um, little weights at the end of his giant braids and sort of headbangs and hits people with them. It just seems so implausible, so I love the idea of a dinosaur that just has a big freaking morning star at the tip of its tail and just, like, whacks other dinosaurs with it. It's funny, um, the Ankylosaurus has never been my favorite dinosaur, but Angyrus is my favorite kaiju. Is Angyrus an Ankylosaur kaiju? He's, he's kind of ankylosaurus-y. Um, he's he's great. He is he is he is a large belligerent fellow who just really wants to wrestle, and that is what he wants all the time, and that is what he goes for, and and he's 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 just he's he he's he is a good large boy. I respect that. I you know um I really wish our old producer Kyle Yount was here because he would have so much to say about kaiju. Um, it, we should make him do a hawk talk about kaiju. We should just drag him on for it. Oh man, that might be hard. I feel like that would be if somebody said, "Hey, can you just do an episode of a podcast about X Men?" We'd just—it would be so hard to narrow it down. Yeah, but if they were like, "Can we interview you for thirty minutes about X Men?" You could do that. Oh, that may be true. Uh, but that being said, Jay, I know that you and T have been watching more kaiju movies. Is uh, is the Rassel kaiju your favorite kaiju, or do you have a different favorite kaiju? He is—he is my guy. I—I I, I do like—I I like you know the classic Godzilla a lot. Um, but but I, I really like Rubber Suit Godzilla. Rubber Suit Godzilla is is just just so much more personable that's legit yeah um i i think my favorite kaiju i believe was in a gamera movie first it's that one who just has a giant freaking knife on its head and just sort of headbutts things in a weird motion to cut them in really fake looking ways i don't remember the name of that one but i respect it it, it its design kind of reminds me of early x-force in general yeah yeah it's like if strife were a kaiju do you think that kaiju kidnapped its kaiju parents and fed them baby food on the moon? Seems likely. Yeah. Uh, kaiju, they're fun. I mean, I giant monsters in general are fun. Like, Jack Kirby did so many cool giant monsters. I always go back to my dad's copy of Fantastic Four number one uh, that had all the monsters cut out of it so they could be taped to walls because the monsters were so much fun. Good! That's, yeah. that's That makes me really happy because I... I, I, I realized there's a whole, oh no, yeah, it could have been worth so much. Like, But that's why they're worth so much, because a whole bunch of people did that. Um, but I, I feel so much better about things that are loved like that. I know, right? And giant monsters should be loved. They're delightful. I have a special affection, of course, for Fin Fang Foom, um, mm -hmm. partially because his name is fun, partially because he wears tiny shorts, and partially because the Midgard serpent Jormungandr briefly pretended to be him in Walter Simonson's Thor. I really like all the ones whose names just sound like someone yelling in frustration. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I wish I could think of any of them right now, but this is a there, podcast. There's a lot of lot of vowels, a lot of G's. Yeah, I mean, well, Groot was one of those initially. Groot was just a giant Kirby monster. Yeah, Groot kind of got shrunk down over time. 
It's true, and became less of a giant rampaging monster, and more of a, you know, whatever he is these days in Guardians of the Galaxy. Friendly tree man. Friendly yeah, violent tree man. All of these things. Ooh, Ents are big. Ents are big, and they're, they're trees. Uh, Ents are fun. I, uh... So yeah, Lord, Lord of the Rings, I mean, I think we both read the books well before the movies came out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the depiction of the Ents in the movies? I thought they were okay. The Ents were among the things I didn't really have a very clear mental image of from the books. So I, I, I didn't feel, you know, deeply betrayed or anything. Yeah. I uh, I actually had a different mental image of the Ents. By the way, just so you know, there's someone like shouting somewhere outside. So listeners, I hope you enjoy this slice of Queen's life that you were getting from the fringe of, of this podcast. Doesn't sound like an Ent. They'd be shouting more slowly. Uh, but yeah, so so Ents. So in the book, uh, I just always pictured them as kind of being the same. I don't remember if they're described that way, but I really appreciated that in the movie, they were all like giant people based on different kinds of trees, because that was just really fun creature design. Uh, trees are good. I really like trees. As I recall, you are a uh, a tree climber of some skill. I am. Um, more tenacity than skill, I think. I, I really like climbing trees. And I really like hanging out in trees once I have climbed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was that really good tree uh, at New College where your dad teaches, near where you used to live. Yes, it is the best climbing tree. And uh, we're not going to describe its location on the podcast because I feel like that would be dangerous. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Anyway, there are lots of good trees, lots of places. So, uh, listeners, find one. Um, but, like, be careful right now because all the hospitals are full because of COVID. So, uh, don't hurt yourself. I mean, don't hurt yourself in general, but especially don't hurt yourself right now. Yeah, you know, know your limits and all that. Wear good mm-hmm. shoes. Yeah. Uh, no, giant trees. So, okay. So, uh, we grew up in Florida, me entirely, you largely. Um, mm-hmm. Florida's got some cool trees and stuff. Florida is flat and. I don't know about you, but, like, when we moved out to North Carolina and then the Pacific Northwest, the uh, foliage out here, I think in part because it's on actual elevation, is just so much more epic. These There's just these giant goddamn primeval-looking forests that are kind of breathtaking, and I'm still not used to that. Mountains, too, which, again, are pretty damn big. Mountains are nice, in the word of that little Kilwalla monster in Chrono Trigger. This is the life. Exactly. I really appreciate that, like, the least consequential dialogue from Chrono Trigger is what has stuck with both of us. Yes. Sorry, I, I just sort of spaced off. See, usually, usually this is the stuff that's edited out when, when one of us just sort of trails off. Listeners, have we told you how much we appreciate our producer, Matt? He's great. You don't get to see his work, or I guess hear his work this time, because, you know, Hawk Talk. But uh, other times, when he's actually here, he's great. Bet you appreciate him a lot more now, don't you, listeners? That's actually the whole point of Hawk Talk, is just to make Matt look good. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, Matt's big, he's 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 taller than us, but I don't think either of us is particularly tall, so maybe he's just sort of, like, slightly big. Yeah, we're both, like, what, 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, uh, yeah, yeah, thereabouts. You don't have to really be big to be taller than us, you, you can be pretty much, like, just within- he's, he's still, like, medium by D&D standards. Yes, well, so are we, technically. I mean, otherwise we yeah. have a base movement speed of uh, 20. Well, I guess that's just dwarves. I think halflings are faster. I don't know. It's been a while. My my point is that when I'm thinking big, like, I'm thinking a different scale. I'm, I'm not really thinking most humans, even very tall humans. Um, I'm thinking, like, again, dinosaurs, kaiju, mountains, bears, Saturn V rockets. 
Uh, so yeah, rockets. Those are those are pretty gigantic. Spaceships in general. Uh, it always blew my mind in Star Wars that you have like the Death Star and the Star Destroyers and stuff like that. And there have got to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people on there. So like when a Star Destroyer gets blown up, or for that matter, when the Death Star does. I mean, clerks talked about it. A lot of people died, but like a lot of people. So when that happens in one of the Star Wars kids shows, I just. I'm just briefly numb, like, oh man, it's such a loss of life, and it's it's considered a victory for our happy-go-lucky heroes. It's an object lesson in the fact that there is there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but there's also no neutrality in a dictatorship. It's if true. If you do contracting work for the evil empire, you are throwing your lot in with the evil empire. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, man, problematic. Fantasy gets less fun when you think about it very hard. Uh, Many things do, but not kaiju. Kaiju are great. Kaiju are great. Uh, So I feel like this is a good transition um, because sometimes, for instance, in Pacific Rim, a movie I know we both enjoyed, kaiju fight giant robots. Yes, I like giant robots. Do you have a favorite giant robot? Oh, geez, that's a hard one. Um, I I mean, I do have a special place in my heart for Master Mold from X-Men, the giant sentinel that poops out smaller sentinels. Master Mold's really fun. Uh, I appreciate that Master Mold is just always sitting in a chair and berating the humans and or sentinels around it. Master Mold's just kind of a jerk. Master Mold would like you other robots to get off his lawn. Exactly. Oh, I I never thought of him that way. It's just like, you know, that random old person sitting on their front porch and giving everyone the stink eye as they, like, you know, watch what all the neighbors are doing. And poop out other smaller people. Uh, you know, I guess it just depends on the neighborhood you live in. It, it varies. Portland's not that way that I know of, but uh, then again, I haven't been getting out much the last year and a half. Uh, what about you, giant robot favorite? Do you have one? My favorite robot, di- giant robot, hands down, is probably the Iron Giant. Oh, oh God, you're right. God, what... What a movie. Oh, well, and now I'm getting all emotional now that you've just mentioned the name of that movie, because that's all it takes, apparently. Superman. Oh, God. Oh, man. And now, like, half the people listening to this and their cars just pulled over because they're crying too hard. Y'all, if you haven't seen The Iron Giant, you should see it. It is one of the best animated movies ever made and probably the best Superman movie. It's real, real good. Oh, I love it so much. No, The Iron Giant, excellent. Um, you know, I've had, uh, Evangelion on the mind lately, because the fourth rebuild movie, the fourth and final of the movies, just came out. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I really liked the handling of both the giant robots and the weird-looking angels they fought in that series. I mean, angsty teenagers and Gnostic mythology and philosophy aside, there's just some really cool designs. Oh, I'm gonna tangent for a second, because I saw a great interview excerpt that actually talked about the Christian imagery in it. Oh, Yeah. There's no actual system to it. They just used it because they thought it looked cool. I mean, that's entirely reasonable. I really appreciate that there are all these incredibly complex analyses of Ava, and apparently it's just all random. I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, the monster designs are awesome. And again, Pacific Rim is a place I'll go back to for that, too. Um, one of the modern masters of giant monsters is Guy Davis, who I believe designed um, did a lot of the kaiju design on that, on that film. Yeah, he's done a lot of creature design in Guillermo del Toro movies in general, and um, yeah. a lot of comics work as well. No, his work is so, so good and just weird and disturbing and interesting. And sometimes huge. And sometimes huge, yeah. Like, 
I, I don't know, there's just something so satisfying about seeing a giant thing fight another giant thing, and like, yes, they're destroying all the buildings around them, and that's also one of those things where if you think about it too hard, you get sad, but just that sense of scale, it is hard not to just go back to being five years old and smashing action figures against each other. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's definitely a movie that 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 evokes that feeling, and in that in that scenario, I mean, you're you're kind of the giant marauding through through your your tiny action figures' lives. Oh God, you are! You're a horrible god. Uh, do you remember in Psychonauts the level where you go into the mind of the monstrous lungfish, and then you're a giant monster in her mind in this little village of normal sized lungfish people, and you destroy the puppy the puppy orphanage. The orphanage for puppies, and you're immune to bullets and love. And love, yeah. Psychonauts Two is coming out like really, really soon, and I'm so excited, but also nervous because I love the first game so much. Nice, uh, listeners. If you're not familiar, Psychonauts is a video game where you uh, are an attendee of a psychic summer camp, and uh, you go into the minds of various people, into their mindscapes, and they're very strange. And so, yes, that is one of them. A giant monster's mindscape in which you are the giant monster. Makes you think. Her name is Linda Miles. Yes, yes. Linda the hideous hulking lungfish of uh, Lake Oblongata, as I recall. Indeed. Hey, and there's a siren too. That's another thing that you get bonus of on, on Hawk Talk is that I live right by a fire station and Miles lives right by a hospital. So normally when we're recording, we'll be like, just a sec, there's a siren. We'll pause mm-hmm. for a while and then we'll go back to whatever we're doing. But here you get the sirens raw, uncut, and wailing. Fire trucks are pretty big. Fire trucks are pretty big. Trucks in general are fairly large. Monster trucks are particularly large. They are. Or like those monster trucks that, that turn into a, a big, like, dinosaur robot-looking thing. I don't know if that's actually real. You mean real. Transformers? Uh, well, I was thinking, like, Truckosaurus, but I think Truckosaurus was actually just on The Simpsons, and I'm not sure if real monster truck rallies actually have that kind of thing. I've never been to one. I have no idea. I, I don't think most trucks can turn into large robot dinosaurs. If, if that's where you're going with this. But I, I haven't actually seen any of the Simpsons stuff with Trachosaurus. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see that kind of being the case in real life. Like, maybe kind of a shitty big robot dinosaur, but, you know, still just putting in the effort. I would respect that. Transformers are big. Transformers are really big. Um, but I do appreciate that they're largely to scale with the things that they turn into. Yeah, um... Well, I don't know. I mean, there was that one that had like a cassette tape in its chest. It was it was too yeah. big with the action figure because it actually had like a little mini cassette tape in it, but that was still giant since that was almost the size of of the truck guy. I think I don't know. I never had any Transformers. My friends just did. Yeah, I, I've only played with them once when um, our friend Ryan brought brought all of his over um, for me to mess around with, and I, I think it was I was like thirty at that point. So hey, it's never too late. They're great. I Transformers are fun. I really love the Transformers ride at Universal Studios. Like, I, I didn't grow up with Transformers. I have no Transformers nostalgia. And having Optimus Prime tell me that I did a good job still was one of the most validating experiences of my life. Seriously, he's like everybody's dad. Even if you've never seen Transformers, he's just got big dad energy. Big truck dad energy. Indeed. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've talked about, like, you know, giant monsters and robots and, and dinosaurs and stuff like that, but I feel like we, we briefly glossed over something. Um, I don't know, we were talking about this earlier. Another thing that is very large is a comic convention, which are happening right now, which is weird, but just comic conventions in general. I don't know, I've, I've, I've been thinking about them. That level of 
immense amounts of humanity, that level of incredible amounts of things happening in, like, the same space, there's really nothing like it that I've ever experienced. Wait till you hear about cities. I've heard of cities, but no, no, no. I mean, you know, obviously, yes, you live in a bigger city than I do. I, I live in... No, a, I mean, what you're describing is just literally cities. I know, but at a comic convention, everyone's there for the same reason, and it's way more continually packed than certainly any city I've ever been in, although maybe there are others. But there's a certain... I don't know, there's a certain satisfaction to that. There's a certain satisfaction to just being among a bunch of people who want to be there for roughly the same reason you want to be there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that the, that commonality of purpose is definitely cool. It is. I kind of miss that. Uh, maybe someday. Not yet, I think. Okay, so what what else we got? What's what's next on our our list of large things, Jay? Space. Space is real big. Space is real big. Uh big enough that yeah, you can't my brain just goes blank immediately when I when I, when I even think of I mean, honestly, when I even think of, like, any given country, let alone expanded to planet, expanded to solar system, expanded to, etc. That's where everything is. Everything! Literally everything! Unless we go for a multiverse. Well. But, so, okay, like, in terms of things being overwhelming, I know I just, I've been watching a lot of Star Wars lately, so it's where I always go, but this is science fiction in general. Have you noticed in science fiction that there are all these different planets with all these different species, but any given planet kind of acts more like a collection of a couple of cities or towns, and that's basically it. Like, there's just one monoculture, and if somebody's on a planet, it's actually not that hard to track them down or to find them. Yep. Yeah. That's... I mean, it's kind of fun in, like, a sort of space Dungeons and Dragons way, but, I don't know, it's also a little distracting. It's a little bizarre, and it's it's reductive, and it, it's it's reductive in in very sort of in in ways that tend to go with with narratives and mythoses that come out of colonialist cultures. You know, I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, that makes total sense. The idea of this place is different. Let us oversimplify it to be a thing that we can like describe in a couple sentences. Yeah. Hmm. Damn it, colonialism! <laughs> why why are you terrible in every possible way? Uh, let's see. Have we... We haven't talked about... David Hasselhoff. Dave, that You know, I wasn't going to go there, but let's talk about David Hasselhoff. He is big in Germany, as I understand. Yeah, and I, I know that's a figure of speech, but I like the idea of it being literal. Oh, like that the more fandom a given person has, the physically larger they get? No, like he just lands in Germany and... and, and just grows up to 60 feet abruptly as soon as his feet touch German soil. He's just, he's big in Germany. Or maybe it's a relative thing, and it turns out, I mean, I've never personally been to Germany, and therefore there is literally no way of knowing. Maybe everyone's tiny in Germany, and it's more of a Lilliput kind of situation. I feel like Sam would have told us. Uh, that's true, we do have a friend in Germany. I don't know, I mean, he's got, his, his life is very busy, maybe he just didn't think to mention that part, because he's talking about other stuff all the time. Mm. Hard to say. Uh... <laughs> I wasn't expecting anyway, any 60 of that. foot tall David Hasselhoff. 60 foot tall David Hasselhoff. Well, no, because if that did happen, though, if it was a fandom thing, then what that would mean is that the more famous you are, the bigger you get. And so what we could have is we could have, like, actual um, celebrity feuds, celebrity fights that were literally giant robots fight fights. It would be like, you know, kaiju, but famous people smashing each other through buildings. I you mean, know, we could just do that now by putting famous people in giant robots. 
or in tiny cities to like stomp over and crash into that would probably be a better option yeah actually though um robot fights uh do you remember the movie robot jocks did you ever see that i did not so i'm not gonna say it's good but i am gonna say when i was 10 years old and saw it at a sleepover it was the coolest thing i'd seen in my life um but the idea is that uh wars are too violent and there's too much loss of life and so every country has a robot that it builds with a pilot that it like you know elects or nominates or whatever to pilot that robot and so international disputes are settled by like the robot of each country fighting each other and then that determines you know like who gets oil rights or whatever how very civilized it is uh i i feel like any movie like that in retrospect is probably super racist if there are uh robots based on different countries i think there was a version of gundam that had robots based on different countries and like the mexican one had a robot sombrero or something huh yeah so so that's a thing i was also thinking about um comics like i know again we won't touch on x-men but different trade paperback sizes like do you remember those um love and rockets giant freaking hardcovers that collected years and years and years of each hernandez brothers work yeah i have several of those and i really like them because with books with a spine width over a certain point you really want them to be able to sit open and they've got to be large enough to do that you can't really do that with like a trade paperback um trim size and then like a huge thick spine. So I there are a lot of compilations that I'm not as fond of because they're really like their their proportions don't really allow for them to be readable. But the Love and Rockets collections are big enough that they work. Yeah, I mean the only real downside of those books is if you try to put them on your lap while you read them, your legs are gonna go numb. So you really need some kind of a surface that is not you to set them down on. You need like a monk style lectern bookstand. That would be kind of awesome. Should we get those for podcasting so we can just have the issues we're covering on this fancy lectern and possibly we can have like the letters page illuminated by some kind of a monk? I think we should start a monastery where the monks just copy out Hernandez Brothers comics. How do copyright laws apply to monasteries? They wouldn't sell them. Okay, it's just for personal use? Yeah, or or just sort of as as a new approach to publishing. Okay, would that count as a, a derivative work or... It entirely depends on how it's set up. Again, I'm thinking of it as as, as basically a publishing company that, that acquires rights, and this is how they reproduce the material. Okay. I mean, it doesn't sound like the most efficient way of doing things, but maybe it would be sort of a, a high-end market where the prices would be kind of high because of the work that went into those individual volumes. That could work. Speaking of large books, there are some really beautiful full-size collections of Windsor McKay Little Nemo strips. Oh, God. Yeah, Windsor McKay's art is incredible incredible like by i've touched it whoa are you supposed to do that if 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 you're wearing the correct white cotton gloves yes which i was hang on you're saying there's a place with original like little nemo and slumberland art and they give you white cotton gloves so you can pet the art if you're friends with the librarian and they take you on a tour of the stacks yes okay did, did it's also art... it's it's so it's the the um billy ireland library in columbus um, which is also where the Watterson collection lives. Oh, like Calvin and Hobbes originals? Yeah, that you have to just like special request time with ahead of time. Oh, jeez. I, I think I might cry a little. It's it's a really amazing place, and it's well worth the trip if you ever get the chance. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Also, I'm just tickled by the idea of, of art petting gloves. 
And and looping back onto theme, well, because the the oils in your fingertips can fuck with and degrade the paper and pigments. Um, totally. But but going back to the to the theme, I believe it is the largest collection of original comics art in the United States. Whoa, damn! Well done, that place. I I, just, I keep thinking of um of those giant volumes though, because like you know we we talked about the the big oversized hardcovers um for Love and Rockets, mm-hmm. uh. There are also those giant artist editions, like that IDW does, where it's the yeah. size of the original artboard. Yep. Yeah. I never thought I would I would like those, but there's just something about seeing such a perfect reproduction of like a Walter Simonson Thor original or a Bilson Kevish New Mutants original that it does a pretty good job of approximating actually seeing the original art, and like th- there is that level of intensity. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you get to see all of the markup and all of the things like the letterers grids and stuff like that. Like the 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 Thor book is phenomenal, not only because Water Water Waterson, God. Walter Simon Waterson's I, Thor. I would read that. I I I I I just sort of managed to mash up Walter and Simonson into Waterson. So. <laughs> um but not not only because Simonson is is just a stellar, stellar cartoonist and draftsman, but because you can see where there's stuff that's whited out, where there's stuff that's that's pasted up, where you know, where where like in, in the, the executioner's last stand, how much of the effects are, are zipatone. You can see, you know, all of workmen's grids and lettering workups. It's it's so cool. It really, really is, yeah. Like I, I recognize we're biased because we love that run, but like, goddamn. Yeah, it's 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 a masterclass in in how comics can be made as physical media. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, man, that's my only real complaint about the Bilson Cabbage Artist Edition, is that mm-hmm. so much of his stuff is just physically layered, and there's really no way to reproduce that on a page. Like, I have seen one Sinkevich original, um, and it was it was amazing. Like, it was kind of almost like one of those uh, woodcuts where there are just seriously multiple layers to it that you can, you know, just visually distinguish. Yeah, I have a couple sketches of his, and one of them is just ink, but the other one, which he did in about... 25 seconds is like ink and white paint and a bunch of other shit and so fundamentally textural did the devil go down to whatever state bilson kevich lives in and have an art contest with him and bilson kevich won and that's why he's so good am i conflating two myths about the devil i think i am it's possible it's possible but the point is bilson kevich is really amazing possibly because of satan (laughs) and on that note um I, I feel like this is that is a, a really good place to wrap things up on on the devil on Lucifer the Morning Star, yeah, <laughs> Who, whose size is is varies wildly in different representations. But of course, in the Inferno, he's large enough that he keeps um, humans in his mouth. You would you would start drooling if you did that, wouldn't you? Like if you just had a human in your mouth the whole time, you'd have like like Satan drool, and then the human would be like, "Ooh, that's gross." Also, I'm in constant agony. Damn it, I shouldn't mm-hmm. have been a betrayer of kin. Maybe he's maybe he like chews them like tobacco and spits. Oh, it was like the the devil's got his sinner chaw. He's got a sinner yeah. spittoon. Yep. Patang, but like more on fire. Anyway, we'll be back next week with actual X-Men and and you know, production value. Thanks for joining us on this adventure.